are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, your home for daily Seattle Mariners news and analysis. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms, of course. Today is Monday, December 6, 2021. I'm your host, Titan Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. And be sure to check out our Patreon as well. That's where we talk about the Mariners even more. And we also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. New episode dropping for our tier twos and threes later today. So visit patreon.com forward slash control the zone if you want to listen to that. It's Mailbag Monday here on Locked On Mariners. We weren't able to do one last week with the news of Robbie Ray and all that. But now that the lockout is in full swing, we can get back to doing these. And you submitted your questions on Twitter and via email at LockedOnMariners at gmail.com. And we're going to answer as many as we possibly can on today's show. And there are quite a lot on tap. So uh, if you like what you hear, give the show a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. We greatly appreciate it. Let's start with a couple questions that we got via email. And the first one is kind of a, a big one, but I think one that we'll be able to answer pretty concisely here this comes from kyle williams who says hello i am an avid listener to the podcast and i love your evaluations of the mariners thank you so much kyle um sorry in advance for the long question but i will also send in some possible trade requests for fan fiction fridays looking forward to that i was wondering if you would ever consider doing a segment on what makes a really good contributor to a baseball team statistically i have been a mariners and baseball follower for almost 20 years, but I have such a hard time wrapping my head around advanced statistics and how they devalue certain players, especially players like Mitch Haniger and Kyle Seeger. Both those guys, according to War, were less than three win players, uh, yet both had 35 plus home runs and 100 RBI. I get it takes into account many aspects of a player's game, including the glove, but how can a player contribute that much offensively? and still not be considered near elite, yet players that drive in considerably less runs and do other things well be a uh, three to five win player. Um, Hopefully you can shed some light on this because it also applies to stats such as OPS+, WRC+, and other advanced metrics. Thank you for the question, Kyle. Really appreciate it. Colby, you want to kick this one off? Yeah, so um, the first thing we need to understand about war is in general is that it is free of bias so um, it's it's a statistical formula there is no input that is based on eye test or anything like that so um, it, uh, it it's it's a purely mathematical formula um, I don't know the formula uh, I know you can look it up but I'm not smart enough to figure it out the, um, and also different places uses use different formulas yes. like baseball reference has its own formula Fangraphs has its own formula this is why you hear terms such as r war or b war that's for baseball reference f war is Fangraphs war um and yep. there's also other you know places that are, are creating their own uh wins above replacement formulas i mean shoot even uh mlb the show has their own formula that they have for their in-game war <laughs> so there's a bunch of different ways to go about it And there isn't really one specific right way to do it either. But anyway, continue, Colby. 
Right. It's but again, you you just plug in these factors into your own formula, and it, it tells you, you know, what the player is worth over 162 games is is basically the idea. Um, you know, there seems to be some confusion. Zero a zero war player is replacement level. That is mm-hmm. the guy that you go get off of your AAA roster to fill a spot for a couple of games. That is replacement level. Uh, two wins is considered an everyday player. Uh, that that's a solid everyday put them in the lineup everyday type of player. Um, anything over four wins or around four wins is when you start kind of getting into the all star range, give or take, four to five wins. Mm-hmm. And uh, anything over six plus is is a definite all star and maybe even getting MVP votes. And anything A plus is generally considered that's MVP quality. So um, you know you have to start with that baseline and you have to understand what zero means, what two win two wins means. So when you look at a guy like Mitch Haniger, for example, um, Mitch Haniger had a lot of home runs. Yes. Mitch Haniger drove in runs. Yeah. He was also a terrible defender and provided basically nothing on, on the base paths. And those factors are given different weights, right? So mm-hmm. not every, it's not like hitting accounts for 33%, fielding accounts for 33%, base running accounts for 33%. It's not really how it works. There's different weighted uh, stats like WRC plus is a weighted stat. Um, mm-hmm. But when you look at Mitch Haniger, he had a 2.8 F war this year, right? So that tells us that he is an above average everyday player. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that feel like that's what Mitch Haniger is? I, I, I don't, no. I don't uh, like, it's, it's tough for me to sit here and look at that and say, well, that's just wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, by baseball reference war or B-war, he was 3.1, which is halfway between a regular everyday player and an all-star. Mm-hmm. To me, that feels about where Mitch Haniger is at this stage in his career. When you look at a guy like Kyle Seeger, yes, he had a lot of home runs. Yes, he drove in a lot of runs. Um, but he was also a terrible base runner who didn't get on base and played average defense. And this is where war can get kind of tricky because defense is still a an area where statisticians struggle, right? They're just it's not quite as obvious as as offense and pitching, uh, the statistics mm-hmm. there. So there is a little bit of gray area in the war when it comes to defense, when defense, and that's where your eye test can kind of come into play here. Um, metrics really like Kyle Seeger, his defense at third base, but I think, you know, if you and I, we watch him and we can look at him and say, that's not the same guy that he was a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So there's still a lot up in the air when it comes to war in particular. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's important to know that there are different formulas and it's not perfect. And, and that's why, you know, Ty and I have never advocated just straight a straight use of war. But it is something that we do uh, look at because it is um, it's it's what Major League Baseball teams use. Uh, they have their right. own war formulas or they use the fan graph war formula. So it's something that teams are using. So you have to take it into account, but you do need to realize there is a little bit of gray area in, uh, in all war formulas because defense counts and we're not quite sure how to properly value defense right now. Another prime example of how defense kind of um, affects war as well as, is Nelson Cruz. I mean, the, yep. you know, who doesn't play defense and I mean, Really, Nelson Cruz has been one of the most productive hitters in baseball for the last decade plus, and he's never eclipsed more than 
five war in his career in, in, in one season. Um, the last three years, he's been two, uh, 4.3, 2.0, 2.0. And in that time, he's, you know, he's been hitting anywhere from 260 to 310 uh, with a ton of power, dr- driving in a ton of runs, walks a lot, doesn't strike out that much, gets on base a ton. Uh, you know, doesn't just hit for home runs, but also hits for doubles, you know, and, and even with that, you know, he's, he's not at the top of the league in, in war because he doesn't play defense. And the, and if he does play defense, the few times it's, it's not going to go well for him. So, and he doesn't offer any value on the base pass either because of his speed. So that really impacts things. And so that's probably what you're seeing with Mitch Haniger here is the defense really is greatly impacting his value because yeah, offensively, you know, and we've talked about how, you know, he kind of sold out for more power this year, wasn't able to lay off some of the stuff out of the zone that he usually uh, was, you know, laid off before the injury and, and all that. So that also played a part, but the, uh, the regression defensively was what ultimately hurt. Um, uh, Hanniger and then with Seeger, you know, the, the guy just he didn't get on base this year. Right. And so and that's really what it comes down to offensively is it don't make an out. Right. You only get twenty seven yeah. of them. And on base percentage is I, I think a lot of people just associate that with like it's just like how much a guy walks. It's not really what it is. All on base percentage tells you is what are the odds that this guy doesn't make an out? And for Kyle Seeger, the odds that he doesn't make an out were about 29%. League average is about 32%. So while that doesn't sound like a lot, when you consider it's over the course of 600 plate appearances, it really adds up. Um, even Mitch Haniger himself finished this year a little bit below league average in making outs at the plate. He was at 318. Mm-hmm. Now that percentage mm-hmm. over the course of 600, really not that big, zero point or 0.02%. Not that huge, but 3% over that 600 is is pretty wide, and so that's going to hurt a guy like Seager's war uh, because he made more outs than the average player did. did. Mm. And that that hurts, obviously. Yep. All right, so really appreciate the uh, the question, Kyle, and uh, wanted to spend a little bit of time on that because I'm sure there's there's a lot of our listeners out here that are are probably confused by the same thing as well. So um, really appreciate that. That question. And that's probably something we'll talk about more as the offseason and the lockout goes along because I think these are good conversations to have, especially for as more people start to uh, become interested in this Mariners team and uh, become interested in the advanced uh, statistics and, and metrics because, you know, it's a huge part of what Jerry DePoto and the Mariners front office do. So, uh, yeah, really appreciate that question. We're going to get to more questions in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. 
Compatible device required. Content varies by package. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. We greatly appreciate your support. Don't forget, we are free and available on all platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. It's all free wherever you go, no matter where you go. It's all free. So tell everyone you know who's a Mariner fan to come check us out, especially during this lockout. We're going to keep things fun. We're going to keep things interesting until baseball resumes. Let's continue our mailbag for the week uh, with a question from Curtis Christensen, who's actually submitted quite a few questions and uh, trade proposals on Twitter, but actually submitted this one via email. Hello, Locked On Mariners. Hello, Curtis. Uh, I know that you guys started at Soto Mojo of Fansided. That is correct for those of you that don't know. We we did, uh, Colby and I met at Soto Mojo. Colby actually hired me, believe it or not. Uh, I recently started there as a contributor as well, Curtis says. Uh, how did you two go from there to where you are now at Locked On and having your own thing with Control the Zone? Thanks. Love the podcast. Thank you, Curtis. We love your support. Uh, so, Colby, you know, we, um, I mean, to keep things short here, because we want to get to um, everyone else's questions, but basically we uh, didn't really see eye to eye with the upper management of fan-sided um so we ended up uh, starting our own thing and um at, at control the zone and true to the trident wanted to write about the mariners talk about the mariners and do it without really you know having a particular schedule to be on and all that stuff and then eventually um sean woodley host of locked on raptors reached out to us um and uh, offered us a uh, position here at, at Locked On to host Locked On Mariners way back in July. And we've been doing that ever since. And it's been a lot of fun. And we've been having a lot of fun doing it. So, yeah. yeah. Colby, anything you want to add? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, if it's something you're interested in doing, uh, my suggestion would be to write a lot, um, podcast a lot. Um, even if you're podcasting for nobody uh, you know certainly there were times in when we were doing the soto mojo podcast which we started um before we were uh, we yeah. were asked to leave let's say uh, told to leave <laughs> um where we would get like 50 50 listens or whatever and and you know that's just part of what it is but it, it's part of you know building a resume and building consistency and learning the ins and outs and, and learning how to work with social media um and you know we're, we're still learning but uh you know i, I feel like uh we're, we're pretty good at the social media game um considering and and you know it's just you, you have to keep writing you have to put things out there you kind of have to promote yourself a little bit um and uh, just keep on putting out quality content and uh you know you have to you have to love the grind man uh <laughs> there were months yeah. where at soto where i would write you know 35 articles 40 articles and then and, and uh you know, that's just kind of what you have to do right now. Um, and we're yeah. still not, you know, super, it's, we're still not super well known, it, you know, we're not like, we're yeah. not like lookout landing or anything like that, but, uh, we're, uh, we're making our own way, uh, in, in this landscape and there's, and there's plenty of, uh, plenty of real estate left unclaimed, uh, particularly when it comes to the Mariners, especially in the coming years where they're going to be really good. So, uh, get you, plant your flag now and, uh, and start building off of it because there's, there's enough, uh, there's enough fans and fandom for more than one, uh, you know, outlet. 
more than one outlet in this big tent that is Mariner fandom. So uh, just uh, keep grinding, man. Yeah, yeah. Just, um, you know, you got to be passionate about it, right? Like, you got to love what you're talking about. And we love what we're talking about. Like, we would do this for free. I mean, that's pretty much what we were doing it for, <laughs> right. for quite some time. And I mean, even so, you know, we're not making a, a like, I don't want to get it misconstrued here. We're not making a, a living wage off of what we're doing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we enjoy this. We enjoy doing it. And yeah. uh, we love talking about this team. We love interacting with you guys. We love the mm-hmm. uh, community that we've kind of built with CTZ and now with Locked On and um, getting to know everyone, getting to know people that are really passionate about this team just like we are and uh hoping to you know help you guys understand some things more and and maybe learn more from you guys as well and and mm-hmm. it's been great it's been really great so honest honestly um, christian right that, that's who sent the email uh, uh curtis 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 christensen. curtis christensen yeah. uh, honestly curtis yeah. grab a buddy or yourself get to a laptop and just start talking about the mariners and then put it out on youtube put it out on on uh spotify just start podcasting Mm -hmm. man i'm telling you it's it's the first couple are probably gonna suck um unless you have experience already but just just keep doing it put it out our our shows still suck yeah i mean (laughs) that's yeah but somehow it works you just got to be consistent and just just do it man just do it like i said there's plenty of space and and what we're helping we are uh, happy to help you out um in any way we can so uh thanks for the question but that's two questions out of ten or 15 so we gotta we gotta move yeah, let, on here feel free to keep let, emailing let, us if you have more questions about it but uh yeah we gotta yeah. we gotta move on we gotta move along here we're falling behind yeah. all right so thank you for the for the question curtis let's move on to our twitter questions now uh and you guys uh wanted to learn more about us uh today it seems so let's uh Let's start with famous Jameis at Eaton underscore W's who asked, uh, what positions did you guys play best at in baseball growing up? Uh, w- did you swing, throw right or left? Did you hit dingers? Crying, laughing emoji. So Colby, I don't know about you, but I mostly pitched and played first base because uh, I was like, I was pretty tall as a kid, like yeah. of the other kids that I played with. So they mostly threw me over at first base, but I wanted to pitch. So I worked my way into pitching quite a lot. Yeah, the uh, the classic. Put the tall kid at first base. Yeah. Put the put the big kid behind the plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, that's changing a um, little bit. But um, I I I I throw right. I um, I mostly hit right, but I can I can hit left. Fine. Interesting. So um, yeah. yeah, my best position was honestly probably first base, but uh, I played mostly in the outfield primarily in the corners. Uh, I had a, I had a pretty strong arm, so I guess a, they didn't want to waste me at first base, uh, with my arm, uh, played a lot of right field threw some guys out. Um, I also pitched some, uh, I'm right. I'm a righty righty as well, but uh, last time I checked, mm-hmm. I can throw lefty at about 58 miles an hour. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I always, I always throw lefty though. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's honestly, that's a lot better than what I can do. <laughs> I, it's been a while, but I'm pretty sure I can throw lefty, and accurately um it's not pretty looking but it, it gets there and, and it has some zip behind it yeah i used to practice throwing lefty all the time um yeah so yeah and did i hit dingers? I, uh, no. I could not throw a baseball or football left-handed i am completely uncoordinated oh, from I, that side which is which is wild too because my dominant hand when shooting a basketball is my is my left really huh yeah that is weird so uh yeah i i can 
I'm not ambidextrous. Like it's not, I'm not that, but I, I can use my left hand uh, pretty well in mm-hmm. athletics. Um, throwing a football though, I, I, I can't do left-handed. Like if the, my, I have kind of like smallish medium hands, so I can't really like an NFL football. I can barely throw a spiral right-handed. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, uh, I'm a righty righty pitcher outfield, a uh, little bit of first base back in the day, uh, which was probably my best position, but I got moved off of it. Mm. So, uh, yeah, did I hit dingers? No, I actually never hit one. I was a, uh, I was basically picture D Gordon minus any speed whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was to slap the ball the other way, hit doubles when I, when I, you know, got the extra bases, they were doubles down the lines and whatnot. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've hit a couple in my time, but I wouldn't say that I just, I, I, you know, I hit dingers, you know, <laughs> consistently. It, it wasn't consistent. It was very, sporadic, I, but. I was an excellent bunter. I can tell you that much. Ooh. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I was able to, uh, hit a lot of balls down the third baseline. <laughs> that, was, that was kind of my thing. <laughs> I hit. I have balls down the first baseline. I was a pure opposite field hitter. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Edgar Martinez, baby. If I had yeah, any power I was, at I, all. I was very much a pull hitter. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's wrap up this segment with a, um, a fun question here from Eli Sellers at Eli Sellers 24. Which current Mariner would give the best secret Santa gift? <laughs> hmm. I think if you're just strictly talking about like just buying stuff, I feel like JP is probably the most aesthetically inclined. Yeah, he's got like that vibe where he would give like a fun gift. Um, yeah, you know who I bet is a surprisingly good gift giver? Scott Ooh. Service. Oh no, I don't think that's a surprise. I think he's, he's like I, I think he he's is got like that dad energy, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, but yeah, like a lot of like the old thing is like dads don't even know what they get you for Christmas because mom does all the shopping. I feel yeah. like Scott is the type of guy who like listens all year, and then like yeah. in like November he's like, I, I know, yeah. I know what I'm getting. Like I I got this. Like I feel like that's that's Scott. Um, Ty France, I bet would probably be pretty good at it too. Um, yeah. I think in what? terms of just like an absolute like sweetheart who will like make you something or whatever, Paul <laughs> Seawald. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. You know, you know who else though? Honestly, uh, Perry who? Hill. Oh yeah, Perry Hill is either the guy who makes you something or he just gives you twenty dollars. And like either way, <laughs> I it's feel like, like cool. Perry Hill would probably give you twenty dollars. <laughs> you think he'd give you twenty? What about Manny Act? Do you think Manny Act is handing out twenties, or do you think he's like? Because Manny's pretty. Uh, I I like, think thoughtful. Manny. I think Manny would be the type that like cooks you a dinner instead yeah, of like yeah. buys you a gift. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah. yeah, I think overall the right answer though is probably JP. I think when you just combine everything, yeah. it just seems like that's JP. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel pretty good. Yeah, about JP's that. got the aesthetic. He's got the just like an absolute like the he swag. seems like an absolute sweetheart. Yeah. So. <laughs> Like yeah. the right attitude, like he's gonna get a gift yeah. for you, not just like a blanket gift. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it's gonna be like yeah. personalized for you. So, yeah, I'll go JP. Yeah. I think he's probably the best. Yeah. But Scott Service probably a close second. I like that question. Thanks, Eli. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, let's uh, let's answer more questions in just a moment. But real quick, uh, want to remind you this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. 
This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. There's so many good flavors to try, you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have a raspberry or mint brownie? cherry or double chocolate cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie i mean that last one sounds especially good to me and built bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines built bar can give you that extra something to keep you going so throw one in your jacket or purse you never know when you're gonna need it you friends with santa will tell santa to throw a few built bars in those stockings with so many flavors they'd make anyone's christmas morning a happy one like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays you need to get your hands on built bar puffs they're light fluffy and marshmallowy through and through different flavors all covered in chocolate taste so good you won't believe that they're filled with protein go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your order that's l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 for 15% off your order at built.com all right so because there are still so many questions left and we wanted to take some time with some of the questions that we got asked by you today uh we're going to make this episode part one of probably two and answer more of your questions on tomorrow's show because i mean we don't really have anything else to talk about with the lockout going on uh so let's start with Daisy and the dingo who had a few questions uh, dating back to last week. So we're going to circle back here and uh, start with a fun one here. Uh, home runs over under next year. Jared Kelnick slash Ty France, 25. Luis Torrens, 20. JP Crawford, 15. So is that Kelnick and France combined? I think he means Kelnick and France. Kelnick and France. Get like 25. does Kelnick okay. at twenty five? Twenty five each. Does France at yeah. twenty? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean Kelnick hit fourteen and three hundred and ninety seven plate appearances. So I feel yeah. Like if he gets six hundred at bats, he's going to hit more than twenty five. So yeah. I'll take the over on him. Um, France really started to show power at the end of last year, and it just feels like it's going to come eventually. And he basically I feel like he's going to hit thirty. At some point, yeah, I think he's going to comfortably be around the 25. Um, I'll take the over this year, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was 24, 23. I don't know if he's got 30 in him, but he did start to show more power towards the end of the year. Well, you're just not a believer. And me, lifelong Ty France Stan, believes that he can hit 30 which, bombs. Which is why you work so hard on that Ty Viva La France shirt that I've kept pitching for months. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> apparently not uh i'm gonna take the over on kelnick uh and if I, if i think that france is gonna hit 25 is that technically the over is that even what would we con- consider that because i think he'll hit the exactly 25 over unders are half numbers guys 24 and a half is what you want daisy uh <laughs> i'll say i'll say over as well i think he probably it's like 26 27 like really close but yeah mm-hmm. All right, Colby, I know what your answer is, is going to be on this one. Terenz at 20. Uh, 40, I think, is the over-under <laughs> on the least Um Actually, I'm going to take the under here. B- 
because I don't Ooh. know if he's going to get enough at bats uh, to hit twenty. Um, plus, he's not no a dead pole guy. He, he, oh, please! <laughs> um, he's not a dead pole guy either. Like Ty, he's not selfish and try to sell out for power. <laughs> so he'll hit doubles into the gap and right center field and all that stuff. So I think he'll probably get pretty close to twenty. But I think he's only going to get about four hundred plate appearances. So yeah, I feel like he gets close to twenty. I feel like he hits like eighteen or nineteen. So I'll take the under, just slightly under. Uh, JP at 15. Way under. I'm going to take the under. Yeah. I say he hits like 9 or 10 at most. Yep. And that's fine because I would like for him to come back with the same approach that he had this year. Right? Like, that's fine. Just get on base. Just get on base. Get some singles. Have some doubles here and there. Maybe the occasional triple. Don't need you to try to put one over the wall it's uh it's totally fine especially if he's going to be hitting out of the nine hole this year or something close to that then yeah don't need that all right so uh daisy and the dingo also has another question uh is it fair to assume that the number of large contracts given to free agents this offseason signals towards the luxury tax threshold going up in the new cba it seems inevitable now that this will be a key concession the owners will have to make this winter conversely do you think that the lack of many notable trades thus far could mean that the owners are feeling a bit skittish about service time structure changing in the new cba one year's difference in arb could drastically change a player's Trade value, yes, um, for sure. So, Colby, what do you, what do you think about all this? How do how do you feel? Uh, you know, really, both sides are feeling about how this could impact um, things and and players' value and all that stuff uh, with the new CBA. Whenever that's eventually agreed upon. Yeah, the, the issue with the the large contract thing is that you look at the teams who have given out the large contracts, not the Yankees, you know, not the Red Sox, um, not the Dodgers. Uh, not e- the Giants haven't given out a huge contract yet. Um, you know, you look at the teams that are spending money. It's Seattle. It's Texas. It's you know the Cubs a little bit. Like it's Tigers. not the yeah the Tigers. It's not their traditional like big market clubs. And, and obviously Houston or uh, Texas has has a big market. But you, I think you guys know what I mean there. It, it's not right like a traditional money spender. Um, uh. So yeah, I, I don't know if that if that points to any kind of you know uh, change in the uh, in the luxury tax threshold. It it sounds like initially Major League Baseball wanted to lower it, which would maybe wonder, make us wonder why you know when we wonder why the Yankees and Dodgers haven't really spent yet. Maybe that's part of the reason. Um, but it sounds like at least in their next CBA they were willing to raise it, um, but there were strings attached to them raising it as well. Uh, so I don't I don't know if that necessarily signals anything because the teams that are already pretty close to the luxury tax, they're not spending, at least not yet. So I don't know if that actually uh, signifies anything there. Um, as for trades, I, I, I think uh, there could be a, a part of that is the the well, we don't know exactly how much club control this guy is going to have. Uh, what we do know is, is that the CBA is not going to make Mitch Hanniger a free agent. Right, they're not going to make our our three guys free agents mm-hmm. this year. That's totally unfair to the to the teams. Um, so that's not going to go into effect this year. Uh, maybe next year, as uh, kind of a at the start of twenty twenty three, they can do that. Um, lack of trades, I think, is you know just kind of a 
a hesitation about, you know, how much money uh, do we have to spend? Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, it's it's not uncommon to see more free agent moves, um, you know, early. And then you see trades happen in late December and January as, you know, teams kind of figure out, well, we can't get this guy in free agency. Let's move on to a trade. Um, So I don't know that the trades are down excessively. um, But, yeah, there weren't a lot of them. and, And part of that is, we don't know if, if this guy who's R one right now, is he going to be R two and done and he's a free agent or, or what's going to happen there. So um, yeah, there's a lot of questions up in the air, um, which is why, again, you see the teams that had pretty low payrolls last year. They're the ones that are spending money. Um, not necessarily the, uh, the big, the big spenders. They're not quite spending as much money as they, they usually would. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a weird negotiation uh, that's happening right now. And we can't even, begin to guess what is uh you know what these factors mean Mm. all right so let's uh let's move on over here to another question from daisy can you quickly cover each of our top five pitching prospects kirby hancock brash williamson stout and identify a reasonable big league comp and ceiling slash floors for each so uh, the thing that you should probably know here is like, you know, Colby and I don't have eyes on these guys consistently. Like we're not prospect guys, like we're not scouts. So most of our information comes from other much more smarter people who are <laughs> uh, who are watching these guys uh, more on a, on a daily basis, whatnot. Um, so in terms of like comps and, and stuff, uh, we're probably not the best ask for that. Uh, but just from our knowledge, I think we can at least speak to the ceilings and floors. And, and I do have one comp for Matt Brash, and it's it's probably kind of lazy. But uh, I, I always uh, he reminds me of Nathan Navaldi. But yeah, in terms of the other guys, don't really have have a comp on them. Do you, Colby? Um, somewhat. I have upside comps. I don't have you know the everyday middle of the road comps. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Kirby's closest comp to me is, uh, is probably uh, Shane Bieber in terms of upside. Uh, just throws a ton of strikes, good stuff, uh, surprising velocity. But you know he has velocity that that Bieber doesn't, and he has velocity that his other closest comp, Kyle Hendricks, just doesn't. So it's kind of interesting there. Um, Brash reminds me a little bit more of Tim Lincecum, uh, just kind of the quick mm-hmm. delivery, smaller frame guy. Um, Fastball slider. Linscom had a, a pretty good changeup. Uh, Brashes is a work in progress. Uh, he reminds me a lot of prospect Max Meyer, which might be why I like Brash so much because I love Max Meyer. Um, Williamson, I think his upside is is Cliff Lee. Um, maybe not prime Cliff Lee, but early career Cliff Lee. Uh, pretty good curveball, fastball in the in the you know uh, low nineties for the most part, but he can get it up to the mid nineties. Uh, he's tall. He's got an easy delivery. Uh, Levi Stout, I, I thought of Zach Plesak. Um, mm. You know, strike thrower, not overpowering stuff. Probably not going to miss a ton of bats at the next level, but, uh, you know, at least average major league stuff. Um, you know, the, the quick way to look at, at these guys for me is Kirby has the highest floor um, and probably the second highest ceiling. Uh, Hancock has the highest ceiling. Um it, I mean, Hancock stuff is when it when it's all working. It's it's number Hancock one. Hancock has of stuff. a legit a ceiling, right? Will he yes. ever get there? Who knows? But like that, right. if you're looking for a guy that can be a legitimate ace in the future, Hancock is the guy. 
And maybe Kirby is starting to become that guy, but I would I'm still not super comfortable in putting that tag on him just yet. Yeah. I would I had to have Kirby ahead of Hancock in my ranks, but I think Hancock yeah. has the higher upside. Uh Brash yes. has the best pitch out of the trio. His slider is probably the best pitch in the organization. Williamson, mm-hmm. probably the best well rounded pitches in just in minor league baseball in general. <laughs> right. Right. Williamson's probably the most well rounded um when it comes to velocity and stuff and strike throwing. And he had the best year of any of the starters last year, which kind of goes unnoticed mm-hmm. because Kirby and Hancock and Gilbert, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, and Stout is probably just number four, number five type of guy. Um, he's definitely going to be Boltman a big guy. leaguer. Especially with the velocity uptick that we've seen over the last year. Yeah, we'll see if he can maintain it into starts. But yeah, that, that's pretty much yeah. the quick run, quick and dirty rundown of those guys. There's a lot, a lot to, uh, a lot to like um, in, uh, in those top five guys. Yeah, yeah, um, really exciting. Also, what's with the uh, Connor Phillips slander, huh? Why is he not in the top five? Hmm? Hmm? You heard it there first, guys. Ty is saying that Connor Phillips is better than George Kirby. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Um, all right, last question from Daisy. Assuming he has a similar year next year, what do you expect Hanniger to fetch in free agency next offseason? Three years, fourteen million AAV. Fourteen, fifteen. Like if it, if the defense is the same, he pretty much offers only offensive value. So yeah, I'd say, I'd say anywhere from thirteen to fifteen million AAV. Three years. I'd say probably if, four and sixty at the most. Mm-hmm. Um, Nelson Cruz, I think, got four and fifty-six. Uh, when he signed with Seattle, but Cruz was still a better all-around hitter. So, yeah, I think he's probably going to make thirteen to sixteen million dollars, you know, give or take, depending on what the new CBA looks like. Um, but I still think what's most likely to happen there is that Seattle's going to slap a qualifying offer on him, and he just yeah. might take it, assuming the qualifying offer is still a thing. But uh, right. yeah, I'm going to guess he makes no more than. 15 million AAV, give or take, mm-hmm. and probably no more than three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. At most, it's probably, he probably makes, uh, in 2023, uh, probably makes, you know, whatever, 18 and a half million dollars if that's the qual, if the qualifying offer still exists. But yeah, yeah. if not, if he just signs a contract, I, I don't expect him to exceed 15 million AAV, honestly. Yeah. If he repeats yeah. what he did last year. If he gets better, we can talk again. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So, uh, yeah. So we're, we're pretty much out of time here. <laughs> so we are going to continue answering your questions on tomorrow's show. So be sure to tune in and hear us answer the rest of your questions on that one. Should be a lot of fun. We still got plenty of questions to go over. Sorry we weren't able to get to all of them today, but there's still quite a few that I really like. So I, I definitely want to be sure to, uh, to get to those and be able to give those um, proper time and proper care. Uh, so that's going to do it for our show today. 
but thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. For Colby Patnode, I'm Titan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. We greatly appreciate your support. In the meantime, while you're waiting for us to answer more of your questions, make your second listen of the day, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And just like us, their show is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you tomorrow.